So DS backup. All right. So, um, like everyone knows who you are that listens to me. So I, I'm here with Borgoth, you know. But I, I don't know. I don't, it's kind of weird pretending you have an audience when you're just like recording. But uh, <laughs> you know. So, but anyways, um, it's it's kind of one of those things that I struggle to think of uh, what to begin with. But I guess uh, right off the top, because it seems that this is like the current thing on on Twitter. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Actually, how how is it being back on on the heaven site or uh, the site between heaven and earth, as I like to call it? How's it been? You've been reinstated well, by the Muskin the Muskin Fuhrer, so yeah, I, I'm <laughs> like they 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 reinstated like the first account that I ever had. Yeah, because um, I've had other ones since then, and some of them had much bigger followings. Um, but but I, I didn't really care. I'll build I'll build that back up, but um. I can only access it on the phone for some reason. Like I'm blocked on the the, the computer and on the laptop. It's it's this consent Weird. consent flow or something, and there's like a white square pops up. Um. So and I just find it fiddly on the phone. But except for that, it's. I, I think I, I think it's better because I I'm not really a big phone person, so I, I kind of I I kind of like think of it like I'm on a driving range and you just kind of drive the ball and you you know like you you, oh, put, yeah. your hand, you put your hand above your eyes and see how far it goes. Um, but I'm, I'm I haven't been dragged in any drama or anything like that. I've just been That's trying good. to kind of crank out bangers. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's what they call them, isn't it? You cr like a banger. The hot takes, uh, yeah. yeah it, it, it gets some hot takes out there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> different. it's different as well because on me Telegram, people used to complain that I, I didn't have any emojis. There was no uh, comments open, nothing. And now I'm like right back into the mix of it all. You know, now it, it, feel, it feels it feels like you just got people crawling all over your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, my, my good friend Nightmare Vision said the other day, because I just saw, um, like, Sargon and Millennial Woes argue with each other back and forth, and I feel like I'm back in 2015. This is amazing. So it's like, you know, it's and, like and, all the old people coming back. And, and um, the one I saw, like, the, the kind of the boom, the, the mic drop, was um, where Sargon said before... Um, Basically, we've been arguing for too long. It's 5 p.m. I'm going out to touch grass. And Millennial, <laughs> Woes, Millennial Woes replied and said, probably AstroTurf. And I was like, oh, oh, oh brutal. Brutal. That's amazing. Like, killer. Like, finish him. <laughs> That's crazy. It's I think, like, Sargon, I, like, I've said this, I love his journey. Like, because I think, like, you know, Sargon did bring a lot of us here and i like how he's evolving you know he's getting serious about his beliefs but at the same time like there is still like a reversion like he still has to pull back and it's, it's funny seeing him and woes argue because it's like that you know it's uh, yeah we're back in like 2016 where you know sargon will post uh bbc uh you know uh, <laughs> black uh, prawn at like alt writers or something it's like you know it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like even even the issue that they're arguing about is like this perennial like problem on the British right. Um, yeah, 
which is like the, the mid-century German uh, question. The Peter and, of Austrians, yeah. And, and I, I, um, I got bra- dragged into this years ago um, with a with a British right uh, on what I called bulldog nationalism, um, yeah. and I made I made it. It was kind of a quick take video, um, and and I was saying like the limitations of bulldog nationalism. And it just all hell broke loose. It, I, it's uh, the term itself seemed to catch on, but there was a, a certain sort of energetic section of the the, the, the British nationalist scene just thought it was unforgivable, like that, yeah. that as if I was as if I was sort of um, stabbing my own country in the back. And I, I'm I've, I've never like sort of simped for the mid-century Germans either, but it was just to point out that like. We, we've we got a problem and you see it popping up just with the wars and Sargon debate. It's something we don't know how to rectify. And it's that uh, the, 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 the post-war mythos yes. in, in, in Britain is one of, uh, like we stood up, we, we uh, Winston Churchill with the bulldog spirit and with Spitfires, we beat the, the racists. We beat the bad guys on the, on the continent uh, we fought for freedom, and fundamentally, it's like we fought for liberalism. Is is yeah. what it comes down to, and we were victorious. Um, and the problem is that when you then begin to look at, say, solving certain problems that we've got in Britain today, uh, and how we got there, and so when you when you then propose uh, like nationalism now, you find yourself running against your own sort of cultural meta-narrative in the name of defending it. And it's this horrible, right. horrible, like, no-win situation. And so when when somebody like um, Peter Hitchens says, uh, like, oh, well, the, 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 the mid-century Germans were left-wing, and it opens up this really tedious kind of stupid argument, I think, which I... <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it, and, but what they're trying to do is, like, sort of... It's like the hot potato. They they want the other side to take on take that on board, you know. Um, and I, I, I just I, I don't get involved with that anymore. I feel yeah. like I've done I've done me bit for, for on that particular issue. I've been in countless uh, back and forths and, and all of that. Yeah, I feel like that was a much older um, debate within the E right, at least dating back to those times of like 2015, 2016. But I think nowadays people have much more of a clear head on it because when you start to do these like weird genealogies of, well, actually it's the Anglos that they have this view that, you know, Anglo liberalism was the apex of like the descent into modernity. And therefore the imperial project of the English was responsible for all of like whatever woes we're finding nowadays. But then again, I think a more nuanced view would be that the British um, for all you can talk about Anglo-Atlanticism and so forth, which there is some validity to that. Uh, really, I mean, the real losers were the old empires. Like, that's no mm-hmm. no doubt. And even even up until this year, with the conflict in in Ukraine, we could see that really America has shown its hand, and that even its you know greatest ally of Britain will be thrown under the bus as well. I mean, I don't know if I wanted to ask you about that. If there's so many things to talk about, Morgoth, but. What do you like, think of that? I think that people are much more calm on the issue of like, 
who's who's that fault the the british or the germans or the americans but yeah yeah go ahead. what are your i mean on yeah i mean i haven't had much to say about the 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 ukraine situation because once yeah. again it, it was it was boris johnson that went over there and put the blockers on any kind of negotiations any kind yes. of uh, coming to the table and, and and my my kind of general view on on foreign policy is really boring i tend to just be like an isolationist kind of little Englander mentality. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm certainly not uh, like signed up to some sort of, what do they call it? Like turbo America or like Spencer's sort of based. Napoleon NATO wave. <laughs> empire and whatever. I, I'm, I, kind of, I kind of am just a, a kind of isolationist little Englander, but it, it isn't, it isn't because it's like, a, it's a cop out. It's because what we were just. It's because of the empire. It's because, as 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 a people, not 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 really just the English either. Like the the yeah. the, the Scots, the, the the Welsh as well, the the British. Let's just say collectively, um, like we we've been we, we've been meddling around in other people's affairs for like for hundreds of years for for like three to four hundred years fully engaged around in the world uh so so that uh, the accusation against like the the anglo thing it does have some truth to it right and and i'm 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 one of the problems is that we've always been outward facing um and the actual the the the, the sort of the, the the soil back home has just been kind of blown away and you you end up in this kind of Probably the cook, the most cooked country in the world, and 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 it's where the, the, there's no the 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 kind of the, the identity of the place is long gone, and I I I like to have this uh, e long era of, of uh, well Britain, let's say the city of London. My policy in that would be that I would turn it into a nature park. I would have. Oh a, man. A, I've, I've long said that I would just turn the city of the London would just the, the nice statues and whatnot. I would, I would, you know, they could be there in the nature park for people to see, but all of the banks and all of the, 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 the political centers, and I would relocate to um, York or somewhere like that. So the, like a, a provincial town somewhere uh, to have the capital city, which would be in keeping with the size of the country that, that it actually is. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I like the idea of this kind of, which that would be a part of, just this long kind of period where we didn't do this kind of thing. Finally, we kind of just came home and uh, cleaned house and uh, got ourselves in order before before we disappear to be to get straight to the point. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so I, I do have a kind of uh, very dovish attitude towards the, the foreign affairs and it's, it's not just because it's like easy it's because the English have been on the front lines of this for hundreds of years and and the, it's it's the always been the normal people back home that have suffered for it yeah it's it almost reminds me of uh a few things one would be like for like us Italians uh you know I'm, I'm in a weird position because I am also a product of the Commonwealth you know being in Canada and it almost reminds me of like us Italians, like after the, you know, after Rome, we sort of just like sat back and we're like, well, you know, we did it. And I guess we're going to retreat into our culture. And even though 
uh, many people as have conquered our shores, they all still had like this this weird admiration for uh, what we did and what we are. And so I guess like being from a stronger culture, like yourself, you know, being from a product of Britannia, you have sort of a different view of it than I would say like subjugated peoples or who peoples that were a product of a greater empire that have a, an intense like ethno resentment towards them. But also it reminds me, like you were saying about the nature preserve idea, it reminds me of like what the painter uh, Anselm Kiefer talked about, where he talks about um, why he paints so many sunflowers, because there was this, of course, like there was this like, you know, lib academic who's like, well, you know, after the, after the mid-century German regime, maybe uh, Germany itself could become like a huge field, like a, a sunflower farm, you know, that would be like the yeah. ultimate justice blah 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 but here is like more of like what you're saying is more of like a uh i would say like a rightist version of that idea where the british could retreat into a sort of uh, i know little englander gets like you know it's it's weird because depending on who uses it, it could be a pejorative or a source of strength but the british can retreat back into its you know into themselves in a way that isn't so globalized in a way it's like isn't suffering from the the sort of shade of the collapse of the empire you know yeah. because now it's like oh it's like, like there is this thread today by this who's this guy russ jones talking oh, about oh yeah yeah you saw yeah yeah saw it's it. like you, we need to accept the third world you know britain needs to accept the third world because of uh you know the mixture of like the danes and the germans that went you know and the french that have went into england historically yeah go ahead go ahead. I, i'm stringing yeah. ideas right now but you go ahead Mike. there was a, there was a there was an hsbc uh, advert some years ago but four years ago um that you would see on on the sides of buses and whatnot and they had this, this similar kind of thing that he was seeing, where where it's like your your, your wine is from France, or and and your your beef is from Argentina, uh, <laughs> your your spaghetti bolognese is from Italy, and and and, and, and your your phone is from China, and it, it lists all of these kind of products off, uh, and it's it's kind of like the, the, it was after Brexit, it was as if yeah. like global. After after the Brexit vote, there was this kind of they like give gave like the little Englanders a sort of punishment beating, where the, <laughs> yeah. the, the advertisements would be like this. It was this kind of this is what you this is what you're turning your back on. This is like the modern wonderful globalized world where all of these products are delivered to your door. And and, and our, my sort of thing was like I know, but we're we're not. We're not just consumers. Like yeah. all of these things that you're listing off here are just consumer items supplied by corporations. There's more to people than that. I always reminded of the um, the David Bowie video "Let's Dance," where the 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 two, if I remember it rightly, the, the, there's like a an Aborigine couple come in from the outback. And mm. then they, they go into like the suburbs of Melbourne or Sydney or somewhere. And you've got uh, David Bowie singing the song like Let's Dance. And and she he becomes like a mechanic or something. And she finds a job in a supermarket and they get dressed up and they're wearing jeans. And, you know, and then at the end, you can see there's a look in their eyes. Uh, they're looking at each other uh, in this way. As if, say, we're not happy. We're not happy yeah. in this world. 
and they they walk back into the outback and they throw their Nike trainers behind them and they leave them dangling on the bush as they head back into the outback. I always saw that was a beautiful sentiment, um, and I, it's kind of that's kind of like what I'd like the English to do. <laughs> You know, it's it's the exact opposite of what HSBC are are, are kind of are, are proposing and getting into. Um, I mean, uh, just on the the sort of the, the 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 English thing as well is that what you touched on before. Like we we are uh, last in line to have any kind of victim uh, sort of. We're not allowed any victim status whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, the only other people who could go, like, will be in the running for that will be the Germans and, like, say, like, Amer white Americans, wasps, yeah. you know. Um, and, and I was in um, Ireland uh, last week or the week before. It was the first time that I'd visited. It was beautiful. I really liked it. And I got, like, a few uh, sort of snarky comments off, off uh, some of the Irish just just low level there was a lot of other people i mean i met a couple of people there from the internet and but there, there was in the i did a video on youtube as well and there was a few people popped up in the comments and it was kind of like yeah well now you're coming over to our country and by the way i was only there for like a long weekend but the the, the sentiment was yeah well now you're coming over and we don't want you here we definitely mm. don't want you and part of that was because tommy robinson went over to kind of grift and, and kind of sort of hijacked. Oh, my God, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I was like, and, and there was, obviously, there's a lot of them uh, like my stuff and whatnot. And there was like back and forth and they were saying, like, you don't understand, like, when Morgoth, when Morgoth says he's going to come over and visit the mountains, like, it literally will be him, like, standing on a mountain or looking at the sea and just talking. He's not, he's <laughs> like, he's, he's not joking. Like, that really would, because they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to come all the way over here to, like, stare at the sea. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> have you have you ever seen me content?" And, and yeah. um, but what I what I thought was interesting was the the the, the you know how the that Noel Ignatiev uh, wrote that book, how the Irish became white. Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's um, the one everyone cites to be <laughs> like, "Well, there's no such thing as yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah, um, the like if you if you look. <clears throat> at what what he was getting at there, I thought it was interesting because the the resentment with against the English is obviously with all the troubles, the the, yeah. the you know, um, and and I, I get that, but the the problem the problem they've got is that that's not going to help them now, um, and and they have to adjust themselves because for a long long time this is where they're they're. Their politics became kind of weird and cooked. So, so you, this is how it was very easy for Sinn Fein or even the IRA. They, they'd be like, because they had a framing where the Irish were an oppressed people alongside the Palestinians. Say. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, and so th there, there was like this universal sort of Marxist element to it. And, and, well, steered worldism, really. Like that's a yeah. steered worldism, yeah. And the and the and so the 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 English. Especially the city of London um, and the aristocracy would would be then the the oppressor class. But the pro if if to go back to Noel Ignatiev's book, of course, what he was getting into there was that the, there was this sort of ethnogenesis happened when the Irish went over at first. 
you see this in Gangs of New York as well. That's it's a good movie for yeah. that. Um, where the at first the Irish were resented, but then as the decades pass, you see they they begin to um become policemen, you know, they begin they begin to merge with the the, the broader wasp uh sort of power structure. <clears throat> and this is actually what Noel Ignitiev was getting at because you know when I, I remember reading this huge article about it at countercurrents and just the title alone just seems ridiculous like uh, what do you mean the Irish became of course the Irish <laughs> are white but when yeah. now when you've got all of this talk about whiteness and white privilege which wasn't really around as much then 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 you begin to see what he was actually getting at because what he means is that the Irish joined the white power structure Yes, they, they, they transitioned from being an oppressed people to being part of the oppressor block, and so now when you've got the the, the, the situation in Ireland, is is that that old uh, narrative where they they kind of of being sort of as the oppressed against the English, um, that that's not going to fly anymore, and it's not going to fly anymore precisely because they became white. In the eye, so so now the all of these, so now you you see it now. You know they're getting called friends, friends of ours, and they're getting called racist. They're getting called uh, far right. And all. It's the exact same kind of template which is being used everywhere else. But you'll find that there's there's no longer that that space um, for for the Irish victimhood because now they are white. Now they are part of. Uh, in the eyes of of our enemies uh, right. and the globalists, they are now just like uh, everybody else. Uh, so all, yeah. No, no, you go ahead. Sorry, finish. Well, I was just going to say, like, like now, like, um, like the English, or so, like the like the English are or were towards the Irish. The Irish on that now in relation to. Uh, all of the the Somalians or whatever it is that that bring in the the republic. Yeah, exactly. like, but what's so funny about that though about the Irish is that they'll there'll be like there'll occasionally be a rever a, like reversion where you could switch them in the eyes of like the prevailing ideology, depending on the narrative. You could like sort of switch them into what I like to call like wholesome chungus nationalism, right? Like. Uh, Wholesome Chungus Gladio nationalism, where it's like, for example, um, when the Queen died. Now I was pretty like uh, bummed about the, you know the the Irish response as well. You know, uh, my father he remembers a much older time in Canada, you know, Dominion, where there was still like some linkage there to to the crown. And you know, it's funny because I remember the narrative was that you know now the Irish they're sort of like the the other various colonized peoples of the British where they're like, just like, you know, people in Cameroon and Somalia and uh, Palestine. And it's like all the, you know, wholesome Chungus liberation movements. But then of course, now that the Irish, um, now that they're sort of protesting mass migration and so forth, it's like, now they're not good enough anymore. So when the queen died, they were good to be like, you know, third worldist Marxists. Now, now that they're protesting mass immigration, now they're just white people again. And I guess like before when they legalized, um, you know, that other certain medical procedure that we can't, you know, I'm kind of weary about saying on YouTube and, you know, women crying tears of joy in the streets. Now they're good, though. They're good again. So it's like the Irish, they're, they're one of those, it's one of those cases where 
they sort of have to suffer the machinations of the prevailing ideology in terms of what their place is. It's like they're white people one day and they're evil protesting, uh, you know, immigration. Now they're like, when it suits like going against the British, which is yeah. you know, the greater evil. Now they're no, all of a sudden it's like they're a minority again. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> and and, and th this, this is, this is where like, it gets back to where we started because this is where I do have a, a bit of sort of, I do understand where Sargon's coming from yeah. because at the end of the day, there's going to be a temptation um, where you say, you, you know what? I don't care. I think the empire was glorious. Uh, we civilized the world and we made the world a better place. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit ugly, but if it wasn't for us, you'd all still be rolling around in the bogs. Giga and, chat, and, and, yeah, just giga chat it, be like, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you just you just brave face it out. Um, and and to be that is actually the default position of, of the, the 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 British, to be honest. But of course, oh, yeah. then then you get sort of stabbed in the back from the media who obviously they 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 want you in the role of of like the evil uh oppressor. Yeah, exactly. Um and that, and that's the thing, like what's happening in Ireland is certainly very interesting though. Like the the protests, I would I would never expect it. But I feel like there was such a like at the time I remember me and Prude talked about this, about the there's sort of uh the, the way that the Queen united Britain from its past into the future and that cut has been you know, that's been severed. Like there's a sort of now a cut between the 20th century and nowadays. And now the UK in general is sort of like, you know, the, like that thread, like, Oh, the fact that, you know, you have uh, so many different nations have, you know, conquered Britain and now has been in Britain conquered other people. Therefore you're you know, inherently multicultural and there's like nothing left. Um, but I don't know, have people asked you before about the British, I mean, about the Irish? I know you've gotten pushback, but then I, did Tommy Robinson go over there? That's not kind He's, of trying to co-opt the protests. Is that what it was? Yeah, it seems to have fizzled out. I'm not sure yeah. what the latest was, but there was, um, I, I don't actually know what the situation in Ireland is now, but but there was this thing where, oh, look at this, there's this grassroots movement, the Irish, normal normal people, um, I mean, and it really was. It was, you know, women with their uh, push chairs and everything, and yeah. And, and then it was like Tommy Robinson was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go over, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cover it as a journalist." And, and the Irish were straight away, "Well, we we don't want you. We don't want your baggage. Um, we yeah. don't, we don't want all the Brits coming over. Like this is our thing." And and that was my point. I was like, "Look, at the, I'm not I'm not going. Over, I'm going over for a mixture of uh, personal." Uh, which which was true, and I'm also gonna just enjoy the countryside and uh, go for long walks and things, which is exactly what I did. Um, so that I was there was never my intention to get mixed up in the politics at all, um, because they're right, it is their thing, you know. Yeah. But but exactly. um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There's this, there's a kind of certain kind of Irish girl that I saw as well, like working in the restaurants, where they're very they're very kind of small. And very softly spoken, and, and you you just think like what it's it's just, as an archetype. It's just it's just really lovely. It's just really wholesome. Oh, yeah. think, I, I wonder if this is just I wonder if this is just being put on because like you know she I'm I'm in, I'm getting a meal and whatnot. Or but I was like no, I think this is genuine. I think they are 
there is there is this type there is this this thing to them which is very sweet but i hope it i hope it can I hope it can be retained in in clown world though yeah exactly i mean well for some reason us italians we couldn't resist the irish women so that's uh you know <laughs> in america it's funny because us italians we also had this transformation where we uh we're like we're kind of like asians at one point in north america where it's like you're kind of a minority but kind of not but uh you know but now we're just you know we're we're white people now so another another thing that i uh because i'm talking about victim complexes and whatnot and and as like the 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 first victims of of the the the, the empire were the the english working class themselves mm-hmm. and but but as i say like we we it, we aren't it's not that we're not allowed a victim narrative it's just that people would think it was ridiculous because we were then in sort of enveloped into the wider kind of empire we everybody had their place even yeah. if it was nailing rivets onto a ship or working down the coal mines the whole of the nation was involved in this giant enterprise um, but but the, the fact is, it was rough. I mean, <clears throat> me and Endeavor did classic movies where it was like um, a, a few weeks ago, and we oh, did yeah. Mutiny on the Bounty and um, HMS Defiant, and they you, you, they were literally um, what do you call it when there was like men and on the docks and they were in a tavern, and they were just being dragged out and thrown out of the boats. Press forgot, ganging. Yeah, they were press ganged, didn't we? And that was the thing. You just got you just. You, you know, you, you either went down the mains or, and there was another part of it where, like, you you could be like a, a a farmer, a farm boy from Dorset, and you'd end up like building a, a, a road, build building a, a railway line across the Himalayas, and standing down, <laughs> stand, standing in the jungles of Burma. Yeah, so there was that, but I did a um. I did one of those twenty three and me things, and I like on to see like my my own sort of heritage, um, and it was it was one hundred percent well white British, but it was the the basically um, I was twenty five percent Irish, there was a like twenty percent Scots, but it's different because it's like north east and and this kind yeah. of thing. Um, but what I had almost nothing of was like actual Middle England. The the the, the actual. It was as if my ancestors had just gone all the way around the coastlines of the British Isles. But the biggest surprise for me <coughs> was that it came back. The biggest percentage uh, was Welsh. Oh, and interesting. I, I knew I knew about the Irish on my mother's side, so that uh, my grandfather was from Cork, so that didn't surprise me very much at all. Um, on my grandfather's side, anyway, but I'd, and I'd assumed that on my dad's side, they'd basically just been here in the northeast, sitting in coal dust, like for since the beginning of time. Oh, the ones, and, the ones that Thatcher got rid of, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we, 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 we can come to that, but like the the um, what what I thought was interesting was i was really shocked like i didn't what like 32 percent welsh or whatever it was it was like by far the biggest part and i got on a survivor jive and i I showed him the chart and i thought i said i really didn't expect this and um he he gave a take which i'll I'll get onto in a minute and then the other day i was out walking in the woods and there was a local historian there and i told the story again 
Um, I was surprised. And now what 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 had happened, the reason for this was that in the, um, the 1800s, I think it was in the 1850s, in the Northeast, where it was all coal mining, the you were basically a slave class. Yeah, you were like an indentured serf almost. Yeah. So the, the, in the, multiple generation as well, coal mining. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 person, the 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 main owner, the industrialist, would also own like all of the houses and the village and the, the school. company town. Yeah. 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 Um and and what happened in the 1850s was that they they all got together um and demand all the miners got together and they went on strike. Uh, to they wanted more safety regulations and more uh, rights or whatever, uh, and and they what so what they did was arranged to have they basically shipped up a lot of miners from Wales, so so to mm. and there was a song which he directed me uh, called the the black the black leg miners or something like that I forgot it now, but there's even a folk song about it anyway, um, and that and that was what that was what happened so. The the local uh, Geordies went on strike, so they shipped up a load of Welsh miners to break the strike. The scabs, yeah. yeah, scabs, yeah. Oh, and man. there's folk songs about how much they were hated, and um, but yeah, they so they they settled, they they settled here uh, and mingled in. So you end up with this thing where a lot of the people in the northeast have got a lot of a lot of Welsh blood in them because of that. And it's just an example of what what the, like the ruthlessness of of like the English system, you know, and that no, in a way, yeah. like in a way, it's created like an, a sort of ethnogenesis within the British Isles. Just the the industrial revolution and the needs of the needs of the engine, the needs of keeping the engine powering along. Um, it's it's a it, yeah, it's 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 a it's a funny old tale, but but we aren't allowed to kind of because you you could say oh we were all uprooted from our our little towns and villages where where this kind of rootless people because of the industrial revolution and there is a deeper take on that but just yeah. in terms of the empire like nobody gives like nobody nobody really moans about it because you're too busy kind of. In in the, the grand the grand production of it all, yeah, and that and that model even replicated throughout everywhere the British went. I mean, even here in Canada, uh, you know, my ancestors, the ones, the first ones that came over here, my father's side, helped build the you know the the Welland Canal, and it's funny because the the British were always like the company heads. They're at the top, the very top. They were the ones being commissioned. Uh, for some reason, the Scottish were really good engineers. And middle management people. And of course, the Irish, Italians, and Chinese were the ones doing like the physical labor. So it's like even in the in the Commonwealth, even like in the far, you know, across the pond, that model still like, you know, took hold. But but it's funny, like you were saying about the Empire. Um th there is a sense in which like the post-Empire Britain, because the sort of the Empire was slipped away very silently in some ways, in some regards that there is a weird feeling about it. I remember, I think it was some video essayist, uh, and I want to get to the video essayist eventually, uh, but was talking about the difference between, like in post-war, you know, post post-Empire Britain, the difference between Adam Curtis and uh, Mark Fisher, where, like, Mark Fisher, you know, of course, like his acid communism thing, it was like, you know, there was like a, you know, a hope of, 
you know, the aesthetic of 70s Britain, the music, like there was hopefulness, but yet the vision of Adam Curtis in a lot of films, like even his more recent one about the, um, oh, what was it called? I forget. Not not Trauma Zone, the one before Trauma Zone, where it talks about the, uh, you know, post-war, post-Empire Britain, that they was filled with like, you know, fearful people and that they didn't know what to do. And then, you know, immigrants that came from, you know, other places that, that Britain conquered that they were expecting to go to the motherland, but they, you know, they found, uh, they found the little Englanders huddled and scared. And you know, I don't know if you watched that one. I forget what it was. Yeah, called. I did. Yeah, I, I did. I, I remember it. And and it's like they, they'd seen these visions of, of London with all of this pomp yeah. and the great Edwardian architecture. And what they get are these kind of misty, rainy sort of terraced housing which the council has paid for and people people lining up for the dual queue and all of that kind of yeah. thing. I mean the the I I actually uh I, I love uh Pink Floyd and some of their songs on and I know like it's absolute boomer central which is one of these <laughs> yeah which which which, which, I, which I did a, like especially the it, like you, you can kind of follow the whole arc of Pink Floyd, even up to today, where like Dave Gilmore's like just the archetype of a shit lib and um, the, the Roger Waters is very kind tragic. Of, Roger Waters is kind of he's one of those kind of sort of base lefties, uh, like George Galloway types. Yeah, and, he's like old labor type. Yeah, which 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 is fine, you know. Um, I'll take anti-establishment where I can find it these days, but the their a lot of their songs like the wall uh, and the final cut, especially the Roger Water ones, Rogers Waters, where he this is why the band broke up as well because he was yeah. just too political and, and he was getting on everybody's nerves. With <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, there's some of the some of the ones on the final cut where he, he talks about this. He talks about, like, everything's now... There was this kind of promise, the post-war pro, the post -war dream, you'll call it, because um, his dad actually died in, in World War II. Uh, I think he was in the RAF. Hmm. And he, he, he paints these pictures, you know, of, like... Because we got the... In the, in the, in the middle of all the gloom, like, we got the Falklands War, um, and and for Roger Waters, he describes uh, this. There's a beautiful. It's beautifully like the, the lyrics, and he's he's she stands upon Southampton Dock with her graying hair and her summer frock, ready to wave the boys uh, goodbye again. And it's it's kind of like oh, she man. would she would have been this young woman during World War Two. And now, like the war machine, the the, the capitalist yeah. pig war machine, it needs more blood, more sacrifice. And so the same woman is like standing in the rain on Southampton Dock, like waving the boys off to war once again. I I I, I like it. That's that's, what, that's pretty I, profound. Yeah, it it suits it suits my it suits my disposition. The 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 the, 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 <laughs> the, the Pink Floyd stuff. I did a, I did an essay on the Substack of the song um, "Not Now, John," which 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 is which has also got great lyrics, and on that one it's it's a kind of critique of Thatcherism and, and Reagan like neoliberalism in the eighties. Yeah. Where do you do you know do you know which one I mean? The um, because the the, the lyrics are just great. Because I'm going to look that up. Give a second. Because yeah, no problem. 
Um, I think I know what song you're referring. I, I think we've listened to it before. It's it's really bombastic. Um, and, and like the words are like uh, all that. We've got to get on with these. We got to complete with the wily Japanese. There's too many <laughs> home fire burning and not enough trees. What is it? Oh yeah, can't stop, lose job, mine gone, silicon, stroll on, what bomb, get away, pay day, make a breakdown, need fix, big six, click, click, hold on, oh no, bingo. And it's it's just goes on about it. And it's got like this this um in the background, it's like just these huge pistons, like and it's like this chunting and groaning of a machine that's just gonna keep keep sputtering yeah. out. Yeah, the for that, we've got to get on with these. Got to complete with a whiny Japanese. No need to worry about the Vietnam Vietnam peace. And then it's like a big uh, laughing. Got to bring the Russian bear to his knees. Well, maybe not the Russian bear, maybe the Swedes. We showed Argentina. Now let's go and show these. Make us feel tough and wouldn't Maggie be pleased? So it's all about, yeah, you can see where they're going with This it. is all... classic old labor critique of like neoliberal, Thatcherite, like, yeah, yeah. But it seems based in hindsight now. Like when it you, was it yeah. was accurate though, wasn't it? Because yeah. the, the the thing is, um I mean, the, there's the, the there's the pits, and I, I caught into that on a stream with Greg Johnson as well, where it's like what do you do? Because when when Thatcher closed the pits, the the the, the reason for that, which 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 just destroyed the the the, the fabric of where I grew up. Um, yeah, and and, and it's it's kind of interesting because like the, the by you know by the time you get to the the eighties, the the unions were very strong. Like they they yeah. were the the miners were the miners were, were only working like six hours a day. They all had houses. They were they they were earning a lot of money. Uh, it, I I know they were, um, because houses weren't that. Well, they would be living in their council houses. That's there's a thing with that as well. Because, but the the the, the miners weren't doing too bad at all. Yeah. Actually, um, and by that time the safety regulations had been sorted out and everything. And and it, it was seen that the mines just weren't worth it. They were operating at a, operating at a loss, and uh, so they were all just closed. It was all uh, just shut down. But what Thatcher also did was make it possible for people to buy their council houses, which is what my family did. Um, but what what that and I remember when I was growing up, when I was a boy, like everybody, it's a, it was kind of a cliche, but everybody knew everybody on the estate. Um, but it when, was like, when it was like that, you know, like like Brit Tube show, like Last of the Summer Wine or something like that. Yeah, like the Little England aesthetic, you know. Well, yeah, but it was like it it, it had that kind of post-industrial feel to it, where it was mm. just yeah. large housing estates. Um, but but what I did notice was that my my dad's mate lived in the same street. They'd been mates forever. He had his family there. And um, there was, they they began to put like a, they bought their house as well, and they would put like a, a, a like an extension on. They'd get new kitchen in, um, and we weren't quite able to like my parents weren't quite able to compete. Um, it was always but and and you see what's what what was coming in there was was where instead of being a settled community where like everybody was just kind of the same. 
Mm. People began to compete against each other in material terms. Everybody became like sort of competitors in, in a market space, which is exactly the, the, the sort of the worldview of, of uh, Thatcher, where yeah. everybody, everybody would just compete against each other in a marketplace, which, which made things even worse, to be honest, because then what, people with drive began to buy and sell their own houses and then move up the property ladder. But it meant that the people who were left on the estates, they just became sink estates. It just just turned to crap. Uh, just 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 went down the tubes. The council flats, yeah. And yeah, look at nowadays, right? It's funny. Like I had this argument with my old man because uh, you know he's such a boomer con, right? Like, and he's like, "Oh, Thatcher, she had to do it." I'm like, "Well, what about the miners, right? Oh, they were inefficient. They, you know, she had to do it. They were the unions. They had to get you know, get rid of the unions because like you know." It's because in the 80s, he was like, oh, you know, NAFTA was good. And it's like, you know, Mulroney was good and Thatcher was good. And I'm like, no, I don't know. Like, this is, this is kind of bad, actually, what happened in hindsight. Like all of the, you know, like free market fundamentalism. But, uh, you know, now he's coming around to that idea. But it is funny, though, like have, you having lived through it, how the sort of the value, like those values very quickly led into like what, whatever you want to call like global nowadays, at least in part, you know? Um, yeah. You, there was, got, yeah. And, and in, in Britain, you got the a kind of grace period, which was mainly my, I'm not that old, um, mm. but my, my kind of glory years would have been the nineties, especially oh, yeah. going into the late nineties. And it, so it, during the nineties, you did get this kind of grace period where, the, the worst of the poverty in the north had kind of abated. Uh, the, the wealth did actually begin to trickle a little bit. You begin to see some uh, service jobs coming in. Uh, it, was, it wasn't ideal. It was still pretty bad. But then in the country more generally, you, 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 it was a kind of period of optimism. I mean, it was another one of them times when the Tory party had been in power for like forever. Like they didn't, they, 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 you know, I think Thatcher won in like 79 and then John Major, Tony Blair came in in 1997. So it was just this huge... And, and and another thing is, like, if you compare Britain in 1979 to 1997, it was just this huge difference. It, like, oh, yeah. you know how people say now, people say, like, oh, nothing really changed in the last 20 years or whatever. Uh, it's where retirement, history ended and all of this. Like the but the difference in Britain between 1979 and 1997 was absolutely gigantic. Like everything changed, everything yeah. changed drastically. So you you it's like that Mark Fisher says you, you can that there's there's times when you can like literally pinpoint like you know the, the pop songs will come out, but everything was always changing. Um and you can you can clearly tell the difference in styles just between one year and the next. Um I mean, I think on the music as well. Like, I, I, I loved the uh, when I went, I, lo I always loved the bit of new, like when Joy Division kind of exploded, and oh, yeah. then New Order came out of the ashes, and they had this sort of little section of a few years where they had this kind of really gloomy kind of hard synth pop, like songs like Procession, and that I, that that to me was like almost at a spiritual level uh a way that that illustrated the the north the north of england that i came from where be, you all you've got to do is listen to that music 
Um, and and you 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 think of like high rise, brutalist tower buildings. And yeah, yeah. Pe people standing outside of Greg's in the rain and and, and all of this, <laughs> all, all all of this kind of thing. People wearing like bad bad haircuts, bad leather jackets, and all of this. Kind well, it was of thing. like Gary Newman with cars. It was like the car becomes like a place of refuge in like the the you know violent cities, right? Like in you know certain parts of London. Like that was the still, you know, like that's when you like you have that aesthetic sensibility because um, I quite like some of those brutalist buildings that they built at the time. But I realized like having like probably like living in them is probably not great. Like, you know, like it, it probably wasn't like ideal, but there there was, I think, like a time in, like in that era of, of Britain where there was sort of like an excitement or an optimism or there was a sense of like, I guess like what you could see that brutalism in general was like a utopian project that never like quite came due for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, I have a much more forgiving take on it, but you could still see like there was still that sentiment there, but then like, but then what happened when the Tories, they, they reigned supreme for so long, but yet I guess you could say the culture of stagnation and sort of like, you know, turbo progressivism that we have nowadays, like they, they sort of, the immune system wasn't really equipped to handle what would come later. And then of course, by the time the dark Lord, Blair, you know, the quote, hey, the dark Lord Blair came up, you know, it was all over. It was done for like what happened yeah. at that time. Why did the Tories, they never quite managed to, at least in the cultural front, maintain what Britain was like, what happened there? Yeah. They had no interest in that. There was, they were running on the fumes of, of, of the sort of, a, a general sort of social conservatism within the population, yeah. which, which it was sort of like the fumes left over, you know, from from a north, from the standard British Christian civilization, yeah. And th throughout, uh, there was this, there was a steady decline, you know, even 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 culturally throughout all that time. But it was as if the Conservative Party had, had this kind of soft paternalistic attitude towards culture, but but they were they were like really serious about economics. Yeah. And so this is where you get this thing where they, they well, all they really cared about was economics, really. And and I remember I remember when Tony Blair was um sort of campaigning, and I, I had my first job at that time. And I was thinking about it's funny because I was thinking about bringing this up, um, but I had this really bad job. It was I don't want to say it too much because I'll probably end up doxing myself. <laughs> no, was, problem, no worries. There was only like fifteen of us uh, worked in this job, and we had no protections at all. Uh, and this is like ninety seven ish. Well, I was there for a few years, um, and Tony Blair was campaigning on bringing in the minimum wage. And I think at that time I was on like three pounds twenty an hour or something. Oh man. Um, and I, I would get like 120 pound a week or something like that. And we would work like 11 hours a day. There was only, there was like uh, 20 lads uh, did this like mundane job. Basically, it was similar to putting together cheap mirrors. That, that it was some, it was, let, let's just say that's what I was doing. Yeah, where you, okay. you, you stapled the backs in and everything. And um, but it was really rough. It was really, really rough. Like the, 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 the bants. Was savage. There was no <laughs> HR or anything like that. It was just people were fighting the factory floor. And the boss, he'd inherited the company 
and he was just he would just stand there with like a, a like a, a bacon cheeseburger thing that he got from the local van, just laughing at it. Um, <laughs> oh my god! It, it was it was so, oh I, there was a, there was a fella I used to deliver the molden, um, and he used to drive up from Liverpool. He was he was a right rough bastard as well. And we used to have to unload it. There was these huge bundles of wood. Um, and I was like a you know, scrawny 19-year-old or whatever. And it would go down on your shoulder and your legs would buckle and wobble. Like it's totally oh, you're just not supposed to do that kind of thing. But what was worse was that the the the, the fella from Liverpool, the truck driver, would stand on the back of the truck and we'd line up to get like the 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 the, the these huge chunks of wood put on our shoulder which were like five meters long and your legs would wobble and your 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 shoulder blade would be all bruised oh, um I, and then like he would you'd get your insult he like he'd tear everybody apart as they <laughs> went up so you just had to you just had to take it and i i i, I still had spots i had teen acne and he would say like the look at the because the, the pressure of lifting this ridiculous amount of weight and my legs would be wobbling. And then he was like, look at this. He, there's so much pressure on his face. The spots are going to burst all over the place. That was, an, that was another <laughs> nasty. Yeah, it was, it was just... It was, it, it was just it was just brutal. There was another lad, and he was really skinny, and he he, he ended up crying. And, but he but he had... Um, he had really big feet. He had, like, he's really... It was really weird looking, because he was a skinny lad. With no power at home, <laughs> like clown had... shoes. Yeah, and and his his grandmother uh, passed away, and the boss only gave him one day off to. to, to oh eat. man! And so the, the, like it was like literally a day later, and he's standing there, and the the truck driver knew what had happened, um, and and he, he looked down and he says, "Hello, skinny." He says, "Where would you bury your grandmother in one of your shoes?" And, and <laughs> oh, that's oh my god! And he he he, so he, he he just dropped the whole bundle and walked off the job and was never seen again. Just broken, just just couldn't handle it. And anyway, anyway, that was a, that was a bit of a tangent. That that was what I was doing when when Tony Blair uh, came, came in to the to to, 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 to <laughs> that I wanted the minimum wage basically. Different world, totally like totally different world than nowadays. Like it's and actually I, yeah. I, I remember what I was thinking of was that the. Um, I worked with me mates, and and another thing would be like we'd all we'd go out drinking on the weekend, and sometimes we would end up in fights, and we'd have to like against each other, just drunk, and we'd turn up at work with like you know like black eyes and bust lips and scrapes on our hands, and we'd we turn up with hangovers, and we'd have to like, and we'd have to work like facing each other for the next ten hours. <laughs> Oh, man. And, and then the other ones in the factory knew that we'd been out and had a fight and they'd stir it up, you know what I mean? And it was yeah. it, it was just rough, man. And then we um and I remember the the one time we were the two of us had finished work and we were coming he was driving this clapped out car that he had, and we had radio one on, and um Radiohead's paranoid Android came on. And we didn't even know. We knew Radiohead. We liked them, but we didn't even know they had a new uh, album coming out. And Paranoid Android came on. It was the first time that we heard it, and it was just, it was just, it just blew us away. We were like, "This is, this is amazing. This is, 
it's just sounded so fresh. Like this is next level uh, stuff, you know, mm. like proper rock opera being and and, I, and that's the kind of the that's that's like the nineties vibe, you know. Oh but yeah. I still think that it, the, the reason why I bring Radiohead up is because I always think that in a way, like Radiohead and the, those slew of albums, they were also kind of just ending pop music like just breaking it all apart just just like the, the, there's there's not really anywhere left to go with it now you know now it comes um, the exhaustion afterwards yeah yeah then it's like the the exhaustion and it's like it's got it's got some things left in it as a form um and you don't know at the time at the time it seemed like really fresh but but at the same time it's kind of like killing it it's it's like yeah it's, it's using up what's left it's using up the last of the tricks um that that's the way i always looked at it anyway and i think like as a whole like ni the 90s were certainly like that like as you know a, a core millennial you always have like that nostalgia for uh my childhood but i remember like that was similar to this one comment i read once where someone was like uh in 93 i listened to I think they said, yeah, yeah. In 93, they listened to Share Brock on the radio by by uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And it's like, now everything's changed. Everything's like, the excess of the 80s is gone. Now it's something new. It's something different. It's something fresh. But I guess like we didn't, you know, people didn't realize at the time like that, that the, the cultural blender could only go so far. And then, you know, by the time you get to the 2000s, now you you start to see like what Mark Fisher says. It's like, now it's like true postmodernism. Everything can come back. You know, everything can arise from the dead and everything can cease to be. And it's like, there's no like longer, there's no longer like a defining era to things. But um, yeah, yeah. I guess we were a, talking about the cultural immune system. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Mora. Yeah. There was a, um, there was a, I remember, because um, I got an, I got an, I mean, in the late 90s, it was quite wild. Uh, yeah. It was rough where, when I was growing up, you know, I, I think you might tell, but I did, I did get into quite a little, quite a bit of trouble uh and i ended up uh i started going backpacking and then eventually i ended up in quite a bit of trouble because of a fight that i'd had with somebody which didn't oh man it went didn't go well for him but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be an internet tough guy and i'm old <laughs> now anyway yeah. but it, it was it was a it was a it was a it was a bad situation but um the the i ended up going to living on the continent uh working in the dutch petrochemical industry for years and so so I kind of it was weird because once that happened, I went over there and there's a big I was there for like 12 years. Oh man. Um I kept I came back from now and then. But what 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 I'm getting at is that what that allowed me to do was to come back and see I would come back once a year to England. So I was able to actually see things changing. Yeah. And I remember I remember there was a there was it was an American rock band called the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And they had an album out in, I think, 2003 or something. And there was this absolute sort of banger anthem on it called Whatever Happened to My Rock and Roll. And, and I always, that really resonated with me because by that time, it was it was more like the, the good stuff was being phased out. And I just thought everything was getting kind of bland. And But there was then, there, there was this one kind of rebellion, this this last kind of, <laughs> this last yeah. kind of Gen X kind of middle finger to the where things were going. This doomed school, this doomed roar uh, by the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Whatever happened to my rock and roll? 
Um, and, and that always stuck out with me because then you got uh, people like Keen coming in, you know, and the, the stereophonics had been around for longer, but then they they became this big thing and Muse, which I always thought was like a Radiohead ripoff. And yeah, I, I, I never I, got into Muse. It kind of like I tried, but I don't know. They got a weird, yeah. It was like it was like too much. It was like too hysterical and too screechy. It was like it was like doing Tom York, but then more, more, which I thought was kind of weird. And so there was this that I, I caught I caught wind of this creeping malaise is uh, another Pink Floyd lyric uh, earlier on at that time. And then on the political front as well, like the new Labour sort of thing yeah. came in as well, which which he picked up on straight away. I remember the first time I ever heard the, the word multicultural was when Gordon Brown, I, I used to pick up the, the Times newspaper <laughs> yeah. and I would buy it. It would come out, I'd get the Sunday Times, but I'd have to get it on a Monday because I was in a different country. And I read an article, and he was going on about multicultural Britain. And straight away, I was like, "Where? Who? What about our culture? We 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 already had one. What's this about?" And I knew I I was instinctively, I just instinctively knew that it was a con, uh, something dodgy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's sort of a. I don't know if you're a fan of like harder music, but it's reminds me of like in the '90s uh, in. in North America, like Pantera, basically like kept metal alive. That's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I love yeah. Pantera, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but you know, I, I'm a big I like. See, I get so much crap for this, but I'm a maybe because you know, again, it's my childhood. But I was quite a fan of the early 2000s new metal. I feel like that was like sort of the the peak, the last time you had like unabashedly, like let's let's face it, it was like white people music. But you know, a lot of people. They're like, no, actually, like that was a you know the beginning of the end. But I'm like, not really though, not really. Like if you look at like for example, um, that documentary on Woodstock '99, how they did like this huge hit piece on it, and they're like, no, that like those are all the those are all the angry young white men that voted for Trump, and it's <laughs> you know they did this huge hit piece on that Woodstock '99, and actually the real progressive multicultural thing was uh, was Coachella because it started the same year. It was like that that dichotomy. I was like, I found that hilarious, you know, because like Woodstock was the chuds, you know. <laughs> there was like chud music. It was like corn and Limp Biscuit, and it's yeah. like the you know the real the real progressive multiculturalism was uh, Coachella, you know, with all of their uh, hyper pop bands. So it's like that same dichotomy is like any any sort of like culture that the chuds have is immediately like evil and encoded in um. There's this one point in the documentary where they're like, where did all those angry young white men that went around and, you know, uh, burned things down and assaulted people, where did they go? Oh, they went on the internet. They went on 4chan. And then they voted for Trump. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Woodstock led to Gamergate led to Trump. So it's like... <laughs> I, yeah. I worked, I, worked, uh, I, w I worked at a warehouse a few, some years ago. And um, there was a there was a young lad. I mean, that, that's a story as well because I basically red pilled everybody in the warehouse. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, they, I wage I wage this. Um, this is this is more recent. Um, and, and it was a, it was a warehouse and it had about twenty five people in it, and and they were mainly you know working class white lads. 
And and the the radio that they they, they were listening to Crapital FM, which is like just the worst kind of pop poppy crap. FM. They've they've only got they've only got like eight songs, and then they and what I did, and I, I, by that time I, I was like aware of Kevin McDonald's culture of critique and everything, um, and I waged this kind of campaign of hate where against the radios <laughs> against the radio station. Because I I understood the culture of critique. I understood there was this, if 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 you kind of did just this incessant deconstruction of of like the host culture, people would just stop believing in it. They just become demoralized. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I did, and I waged it. I waged this campaign of hate against the radio station. And and what it was was because all of the, the all of the DJs would be gay, uh, or it was Radio One as well. By that time, um, and it was all like promoting like pop stars of color, especially rap. Um, and I would be asking them, you know, because they were all like they're all like rough white lads, you know. And I was saying, like, what are you doing listening to this? Like, this is not for you, this is not <laughs> your music. What, what, what are you? And I was going, all the DJs are gay, like, what, what are you? What's what the hell is this? Um, or all, I mean, I actually did a video on Ed Sheeran and what that related to this. Oh, I watched why that I, one. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah why? Yeah. Why I hated Ed Sheeran. And this is where I perfected all of my takedowns of all of the music, and it was that Ed Sheeran is like he's he's kind of he he doesn't really have any authenticity to him. What he's trying to do is kind of copy the authenticity that he knows sells music. So you get this kind of sort of secondhand fake kind of bland and vanilla-ness to it, which is awful. Um, purely mercenary, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, it, like I, I used to break it all down and and, and eventually they, they, they kind of joined in. They joined in on the kind of let's, let's like dunk on the, the crap music and and, and then eventually I said, so why don't we just change a radio station over? And they, I says, you all hate it. You all complain about it day in, day out. And they were like, well, what are we going to put on? And so I put, um, at first I put Absolute 90s on, and then I put it on the classic rock. And I kind of liked it, so I just, just sort of, it stayed there. So everybody was like, you know, running around in the warehouse, kind of rocking a thin Lizzy and whiskey in a jar and all of this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> because oh. they, they, they just they just didn't want to defend it anymore. But there was this um what I was leading to, there was this one young lad. That was there was there was, uh, there was one uh person of color there, and I don't like I, I've got to be careful here, but yeah, basically um this this person of color there, and then there was this young lad who was 18, he's really insecure, you know, he's spotty little kid. And he was he asked me where something was. And and I said, um, like, why don't you go and ask the son of Africa? And he 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 was just he was just like couldn't believe. Bear in mind at this time was the great meme war and the Trump thing going on on the internet. Oh man. Yeah. And and um and he he was like and he he burst out laughing and he said, You can't say that. I said, Yes, I can say what's the matter with you, man? I'll say what I want. You running around you thought it was funny, didn't you? And he became like a, a sort of a, a buddy 
uh, like a little Padawan that are, are like red pilled over the course of the next eighteen he months. Took him under his under you. Yeah, yeah, on everything, and he and he, the spots went, and he got a girlfriend and everything. And, oh. um, and um, any anyway, I, I I still see him from time to time. Uh, and last summer he came down. We had a few beers, and and we came back. Uh, I brought him back to my place while his taxi came. And I put Pantera on the vulgar display of power album. Oh, yeah. And there was something in it which just which just wiped them away straight away. You know, it was I, I saw him on his phone straight away, like kind of what what's this called? And he was making a note to come back to it later. So that there's something in there's something in Pantera which took that vulgar display of power on, I would say is the best, which instinctively hits young european fellas like yeah like it's i think uh, josh neal and jefferson lee went into this they had a stream about it but it's true like they, it, it was like unabashedly european in a sense it was sort of like not not apologizing for who you are but also like because of the so many influences that like dimebag and phil and salmo had in terms of like american music whether it be country or even like the previous iterations of metal it was like also one of the few bands where they kept getting harder as they went along, but still maintaining a radio presence, which is like almost impossible nowadays. It's unheard of, right? Like, I mean, but they're also a mix of like technicality and musicianship, but also like the, you know, the rhythm of it was very intense. It was, you know, you could fill a whole stadium. It wasn't like a lot of like, you know, music that I'm a fan of in metal, which is kind of like, yeah, you know, a nerd fest, like prog death or whatever. Like it, it was, it didn't scare the normies, but it still had like enough musicianship to be like god tier among metalheads and metal elitists. So yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, what it lacked as well was that there's, there's well, a lot of the heavy metal. Um, there's a sort of campy aspect to it. With yeah, it had no it. camp. Yeah, there was yeah, no, yeah. There was that. There was no kind of. Like Eddie the skeleton running around on the stage and and, and all of this kind of or thing. like cartoonish death metal lyrics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was none of that. It was it seemed much more raw and real and political. Yeah, it wasn't like Glenn Benton going around talking about, you know, no, no, no diss to deicide, but you know, I mean the whole Satan worship thing is kind of like his passing even back then in like ninety-five. Yeah. Like we we used we used we used to get stoned and put Claire Iron Maiden on and when we when we were out in the car and I'm going way back when I was you know a young fella and and we used to laugh at the lyrics because they they had like um like Iron Maiden would have like a twelve minute song and it would be like the story of Alexander the Great and yeah. you think. And it's just like, what a weird subject, <laughs> like a 12-minute rock opera about Alexander the Great. I mean, it's okay, it's kind of it, it, kind of weird, but it's kind of cringe as well at the same time. And we, we'd, be, we'd be kind of stoned just laughing at it, thinking, what are, what are they thinking? Who are, are songs about, like, like, Spitfire pilots in World War II, Aces High, and all of this kind of thing? And you just think, what? Well, it's it's it is it is kind of it is kind of naff this isn't it yeah it is yeah it is it's like power metal it's like well power metal is more like that yeah a lot of it can descend into like cringe territory it's like uh, you know songs about wizards and dragons and it's like ugh, <laughs> you know like but then iron man like they, they're different because it they 
it's funny like they they were like they have an awareness of their history you know what i mean and like so songs like that do come off as like kind of campy but then you appreciate them it's kind of like sabaton like i'm not a big fan of like the actual the theatrics of it but then like the the meat and the history of it it's like you can understand you know it's very different. I, I, I will say as well that I, like from in the context of today's culture like yeah like to have a little to have a poke at iron maiden there like I feel guilty about saying that <laughs> yeah, because in comparison, be, be, because yeah, because uh, and 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 it speaks to a, a sort of like the, the how how sort of self indulgent and pampered we were and spoiled for choice in the nineties, where yeah. when when you've got like uh, explicitly sort of white masculine men who are very good at playing instruments, they can write a hell of a tune, and then you're still gonna. Well, you're still gonna giggle and snark at that, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, how how dare you? How how and and yeah, it's that's 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 the nineties for you actually, because you can they they were great musicians and the songs were terrific, but you're you're gonna be such a you're gonna be such a little shit that you're gonna like giggle with like smoke <laughs> a spliff and giggle because they're singing about Alexander the Great, who yeah. who was himself like a total chad. Like, what are you thinking? You know what I mean? The first chat of history, really. Yeah. Um, no, that's what I mean. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's like sort of, oh, this isn't sophisticated enough. But then it's like that. Sometimes you have to embrace it. Like, you can't, like, see, it's like me with new metal, right? Just embrace it. Like, you can't, you know, it's going to be like, oh, that's not sophisticated enough. It's like, I remember that one video, or I think you were, you were on a live stream. And I don't know why I turned to my, um, I was talking about this with my good friend, Matthew Vistout, who's an amazing artist himself. And we were talking about, uh, you know, we were talking and I remember the one stream you did, you had this line where like the way you said it in your like thick accent, where you're like, is this all that we are now? Is that basically Stormzy in the National Gallery? I'm like, oh my God. Like that's like Stormzy occupied Britain is like the future now. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. It's tragic, but it was funny when you said it. Like, I, is that all we have now is Stormzy? Like, I got I got I got I got in big trouble with it. That the, the Stormzy saga. Like yeah. if you want it, if you want that's that's part of the, the Morgoth sort of pantheon. Um, and I, I got, I got, I was in the newspapers for that as well. Like the independent ran stories on my video and everything. Oh my um, God. That's right. Was, yeah. It was, in, yeah. it was insane. It was totally insane because I mean, the, what, what happened was that in, in Britain, we've got this big, uh, kind of festival, Glastonbury. Yeah, Glastonbury, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is all, I mean, it, again, like back in the nineties, it did, at least it did have a kind of authenticity to it and you know you're standing in the fields and you'd have bands like oasis and pulp and all of the brit pop scene and yeah, yeah okay whatever <clears throat> but then like um did you ever go to donnington did you ever no no I, never. I, I haven't been to many pop gigs i did actually see pulp uh live i saw the prodigy live as well that was oh, great oh, nice the prodigy mm. would die the prodigy was another another thing um but the, the 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 Stormzy thing was that it was like um, he, he that's what it was, and I think this is in twenty eighteen it was on on Glastonbury, and he did like a, uh, he went on with a stab vest, and so if in what it is is the the urban youth, let's say in London, yeah. 
Um, they've got these, they don't, we don't have so many guns, but what they do is stab each other. So stabbing is this. Yeah, the shakings. Yeah. And, and, and Stormzy did this whole sort of, it was kind of like a sort of a George Floyd type thing before George Floyd, but nobody cares about all the urban youth and what's happening here. And he had a stab vest on and, and it was, everybody was going on about it the next, oh, he's so brave. He's so, it's it's so, he's out there. This is the next level. And Jeremy Corbyn went on the stage and gave him a hug. And I, I felt, I felt, I mean, I put this on Twitter the other day, like, you know, uh, Oscar Wilde, when he he finished reading the the, the the old curiosity shop, where the like the little Nell dies. I've read I read the book. I couldn't believe it. And there's like 25 pages of kind of mawkish sentimentality because the mm. little girl died. And Oscar Wilde said, read it in his his review. He said you'd have to have a heart of stone not to burst out laughing at the death of little Nell. It was just so. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's that was kind of my general attitude to the new Stormzy kind of it's kids kids just political kids fake emotion in other words yeah and so I did a video I did a video saying like it was in me old videos when there wasn't as much censorship on, on YouTube oh yeah. basically I, I did a video which was ranty and sweary I says he was a talentless twat I say is the only reason why we're all hearing about him. I think that was actually oh the, the title of the video was Stormzy is a talentless tool of the system. And yeah, um, I think I watched this back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And and oh, um and, and the, the my whole point was that uh the the the, the, the he all of the, the press, all of the newspapers, everybody is on his side. Like he's 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 not he's not he's not any kind of rebel. He's not an edgy Every, outsider rebel. No, yeah. he's, he's not. This is, all, <laughs> this is all fake. This is not rebellion. This is total astroturf. The power structure wants him there, and um, somehow it just it the, the 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 it hit some kind of algorithm thing, and it got like it got like thirty five thousand views in like a single day. And it just kept going up and Which up. Which back then was like, yeah, that was yeah. incredible. Yeah. And and at the time, I would have only had about nine thousand subs. And um, and um, there's a, a like a lefty pop singer over here called Billy Bragg. Um, and he. Oh yes, I've heard of this character. Yeah. And yeah. he he picked it up and put it out on Twitter, and uh, there was this huge, there was this huge thing began to go on. Um. Uh, about like there's this racist YouTuber and he's he's disrespecting Stormzy, and this is the, uh, and what happened next was that my video say like uh, saying like this is all the uh, nonsense. There's a context because at that time uh, Morrissey had come out and said some pretty edgy things about immigration and political and he Brexit. supported Brexit, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and I mentioned Morrissey. I, I asked in the video, like, why, why, like, Morrissey is actually, like, he deserves this, Stormzy doesn't. You can, why is it that one gets this kind of attention and this celebration and the other one's just, just, uh, is like hated. Is, that, and deep. that's like red meat for the British media. Like yeah, that's a and, man. And and so then the the video ended up on Morrissey's uh, public website. <laughs> and and so then what happened was that 
and then it then it went nuts. And then so what happened? And then the independent newspaper uh, came out with a second piece, and it was like Morrissey hosts far right racist YouTuber on his <laughs> and and um, and um. How would then, you, that, how are you not doxed though? Like, what happened with that? Did it went nowhere? I'm assuming. With like the what? When, like when the independent went after you? Like, how are you not? Like, how did you? Uh, like, how did they not? Like, really? They were trying to go after you, if I recall. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, they, were. Did, they, they they just they just couldn't get me. They put a call out um, to the activists. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I live, I live, I live in the. I live in the northeast on a on like a pretty rundown area. I'm not going to parties in London. I don't do real life stuff. So yeah, that's there's no, they don't really have much to go on. But um so yeah, so that happened and then, and then um like it was it was really funny because then like Billy Bragg, he was kind of leading the charge against the, against me my like, criticism of Stormzy and defense of Morrissey. And Billy Bragg ended up uh like slipping into the like atting Morrissey. Uh, on on um on Twitter, like saying like look love love you love you guy. We've, we you know we've got different opinions, but just want to say like you need to get this racist off your website. Like this is and and oh uh, my god. As far as I know, the video is still there to this day. But I I had to um I, I eventually I I did kind of lose my bottle and I had to take it off YouTube. But it's still up on um like the other ones, Odyssey and BitChute and whatnot. And then I and then I did a second video, uh, which which I called the good, the brag, and the ugly. Oh, the the good, <laughs> the, the good, the 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 good, the brag, and the stormsy, where I kind of detailed it out, and it was really uh, a kind of, I, it was really just squarely aimed at uh, Billy Bragg and how like, this was this was in the days when I would like ha have five bullet points for the videos. And just oh, yeah. like and just like riff and rant all the way through it, you know, and um, <laughs> yeah. so that was the second one um, where I was basically saying like, you're just a shill, Billy Bragg. You're you're not helping the little man out. You're on the side of the machine. Hey, yeah, and for like an out, yeah, for like a you know outsider pop star like him, that's like you know, that's it's it's like uh, you know saying that. Well, you're you're really just a labor voter at the end of the day. Like that's you know, um, that's crazy, man. Like the, the British media is like absolutely insane when it comes to that stuff. I remember what was that one? The one line, it was so it was so funny. Like it's funny in hindsight, but at the time it was terrible. What do they call millennial woes? The independent, uh, vile the, the, vile vlogger. The, the vile vlogger, yeah. But the way he said it was like they called me a vile vlogger, like. And yeah. and and they, there's like you'll notice as well that they always use. I mean, they they don't have my. They they'll get me in the end. They will. Yeah. You, you will. You they will get me in the end. I'm just not going to make it easy for them. I mean, I don't even know. If, I, I don't even know. I'm not. I, I'm not really edgy these days. I don't know. Uh, no, I, no. I'm still in hope not here to report every year. Like, but the um. What it's funny because they always use like the the, the same photos. For people, so if if they're going to report on uh, Mark Collett, like it will absolutely be the one where he's standing with that like really tall girl with the swara neck. If you've seen, oh that yeah, one. the one the, with the tattoos and everything. It would be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it's always that one. And and, and uh, millennial wars. 
There's one where where he's just standing in front. He's like answering the door. He's got the stain on his shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> that, that, <there's>, oh <laughs> oh the, my god! Like a vacant look on his face. And then there's another one where it's um I think he was at Cologne or somewhere, and and it's taken from a bad angle, and he was clean. Yeah, the speech, the Cologne speech. <laughs> so, so he has that kind of baby's bum look, you know, and it's and it's Whoa. taken. From, so they'll always use like like the worst photo, and 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 they, they even do it with Laura Towler. Like as you know, because it's pretty bad. It's 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 not easy to make Laura Towler look bad. Yeah, but they they did it. Like they've cut it where she was about to give a speech, and it was at a like a sort of wrong angle, and she was looking up towards the microphone as if like she didn't know what she was doing, and she looks all awkward. So even then, like even when, they'll they'll still like get you, and it's 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 pathetic. I can say, I hate them. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, it's that's what I mean. Like it, it's well, like even like um, like Mark Collette, he's he doesn't got a bad angle. He's pretty pretty good looking guy, but it was just that that one photo was like, you know, an optical, uh, to say the least. But that's but they'll always use that one. Uh, with woes, they'll always use like the one where they're like confronting him in front of his door. That was, you know, but in hindsight though, it is kind of like hilarious because the British media, like I noticed, they are like. I want to go back to like the little Englander thing, but like the British media, they are like absolutely insane. Like, it, like especially if you follow the war closely. Like, uh, what was the story the other week that, um, you know, uh, Wagner? They're fighting with, <laughs> they're fighting with twentieth uh, century shovels, uh, tack shovels. Like they're 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 you know they're using uh they're using uh, Mosin Nagants. You know, like that's they'll come out with like these insane stories, but uh. Like the, the, I guess like the British media, they do have like that reputation of like sensationalism, that I guess mm. just like carried over from, like an older time, like a tabloid, you know, twentieth century in Britain. It's like it's kind of kind of funny that way. Like they 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 have like a particular sensibility that is ranges from like mildly humorous and witty to like absolutely deranged. Uh, yeah. And and you can see there's a, there's a kind of in the, in the still today there's a, there's a sort of reflection of a class system in like the oh tabloids. yeah definitely so, yeah so you you get I mean for for what they call the 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 kind of the 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 kind of middle England uh, footy fan like once stop the boats North FC kind of meme. They get the red top tabloids, which is, which and and it's 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 like written to like the level of like a, an eight year old boy or something. It's it's just it's just oh, humiliation. Man. It's it's just pure humiliation when you look at how simplistic and dumb the actual the way it's written. It's 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 really, I mean. And I still see people, you know, you, you still see people like in the morning, I'll be walking the dog and you'll see some fella like popping out and he, he's coming out and he's got like, stop the boats. And what was the, another, the other, these memes they come out with? The, yeah. what, the, or, when Rishi Sunak, um, I mean, he wasn't even, you know, he, 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 <laughs> their the meme for him was, uh, are you ready for Rishi? And it was just so, you think, oh, who thought of that? <laughs> are you re are you ready for Rishi? Yeah, or they'll have like references to like old '90s pop songs, 
like uh that do you do you know the one account on twitter um oh what's his name uh i'll, I'll look it up but he was having this like he he does these spoof edits right and one of them was like uh you know, uh, Boris Johnson, should he stay or should he go live at the Mallard? It's like, and then you actually look at the real Mallard website. It's like literally like 10 different articles about Boris Johnson and his big decision, but it's all like referencing like older pop songs. It's like that. It's like particularly like Brit popper core. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. And yeah. They even did that thing with the Manchester arena bombing. I did a video on it where, like though that wasn't so much the well the tabloid press would have been in on it, but it was the the nudge departments and the whole uh, don't look back in anger uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. All of all of that. Like if um, like if a bomb went off on King's Cross, uh, the line like now at Russia or whatever, the uh, they they there's an entire department in the British government. Who is who? All who's already like workshopped and gamed out how the re, that the reactions to that like so yeah. if if it was an if it was an Islamic uh, extremist who did it then they, they they've got one kind of weighted and mold it and manipulate it and manipulate the public masses and how they conceptualize it and if it was like a far right terrorist or something then they've got their their own version of that and if it was like some rando they've got another one for that and and it's it's like i spoke about this i got into this a lot on me me substack last year um i learned the term from andy Nwiki, this this high strangeness of where you, you, because you're being manipulated all of the time yeah like you're, you're 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 kind of you're not too sure if if it's part if anything is part of the psyop or like I, I, it's like I was saying on AAs, uh last week, where like la, la, a week ago last Monday, yeah, all all of the with the the asylum seekers coming to the south coast, like like within a day, everybody in the media and all of the politicians started referring to asylum seekers as small boats. and and it was just it was just so sudden and so out of the blue, like all of everybody all at once. As if they'd got a memory, like on Monday we begin with the, we we drop the term, the new the new framing the new framing, uh, because it's it sounds it sounds sort of safe, um people it doesn't scare people, and and we're gonna start and call them small boats. That's how we that's how we refer to all of this, and and then it just gets normalized and becomes part of the the general conversation, but that but then so, what happens is. You get people who are kind of, they're kind of, like I said, it's it's as if like on the Matrix where the cat walks past the doorway twice, and you think, well, did we, did we always like use the term small boats? Like yeah, this? yeah, because they ignore the hist the sort of prior history of it. They speak as if you've been using it for years to yeah. like, manifest that doubt. You, you were you tweeted about this. You said uh, I, I was listening to it. I believe you're actually with Prude in that one. Yeah, uh, that stream. And I remember you tweeted about that, and I I replied with uh, some of these new lingo terms. Uh, they they rediscovered the '90s term carceral, the yeah. left. They rediscovered the term uh, third place, not not third position, but you know what a third place is, Morgoth. Um, I looked it. I, I remember yeah. you could, you explain it because I I you you I looked it up, but I I, I slipped it slipped me mind. 
A third place is essentially, from my recollection, um, a lot of like, a sociological term for a place that isn't exactly. Um, it defies the public and private distinction. It's not exactly a home, but it's a public space that is coded as being more communal. So like a church, um, a church courtyard, a basketball courtyard, uh, like anything where like, uh, there was like one leftoid, I believe, uh, with pronouns in the bio, uh, with the, the flag, you know, you know, the particular flag, uh, <laughs> saying like, uh, the, the reason that, you know, a British kids stab each other is because they have no third places. They have uh, no third places where they could go after school. It's sort of like more money for the programs, more money for the basketball courts. That's what the third place is. And of course, they're rediscovering the carceral thing because everything's carceral now. Uh, carceral capitalism, which actually, that is actually a good book. I, I do recommend that book, Carceral Capitalism. But the leftoid, they'll take like these Baroque, um, they'll take the like broke academic terms and they'll like pretend that it's always in public discourse, but they'll switch the memo. Like the whole, like the, the remember the happening was a month ago was the gas stove thing. Yeah. Right. The gas stoves are going to like end civilization. Uh, you know, now it's like uh, the carceralism of, uh, you know, you know, YouTubers like you uh, talking about, you know, or, or the carceralism of Ron DeSantis banning trans literature in in public schools but yeah finish your point where you were going you were going somewhere with it uh yeah well, yeah it, it, it's it's this it's this because then you you it's so if you if you bring it up to somebody um and you and you say like just say using the small boats thing as an example yeah and you say, well like we this is we didn't we didn't always just refer to asylum seekers as small boats like something's happened something's changed and and then the obvious response is like what to so like do you think there's do you, do you think there's somebody like pulling pressing a button and then everybody in the media and the politicians just suddenly start talking in a different way and if you say well it seems like that but you sound paranoid and and, and another thing is like for a lot of people I will I will just say this kind of thing because I've I've got a I've got a way of expressing myself which is like if I if I get it wrong, I can kind of just say, "Oh, okay, fair enough." Yeah. But 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 for a lot of people, they're they're kind of hesitant. Then they they think, "Well, is it is it just me? And and, and I am I going mad? Is is it?" And 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 I think that's what I and I'll pick up on something like that and just like throw it right out in the open and make fun of it. And it's like, well, well, it's small boats. Like all of a sudden, this is just like the new thing that everybody's referring to. But for so many people, it, I think it's there, like half in and half out of their conscious. Yeah. And and what that does is give you this kind of feeling of disconnect, um, like like Annie Nowicki was saying on the high strangers thing, where there's this there's this kind of feeling that the, the picture on the wall is hanging a little bit slighted, but you cannot really tell. You, you're not you're not sure. Or if it's always been like that, or, or uh, and I think this is a th I think this is a thing with the the, the culture in general. I mean, <clears throat> I'd love to know what's happening with that that mushroom cloud that went off in Ohio. Like we we just that yeah. was like what two weeks ago, and it's we, we it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Like what? So what, what's happened? Is 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 there chemicals in the water supply? Uh, what? But what what happened to that? <laughs> I guess, but the news cycle determines reality, so it's not there anymore. 
So it's like the physical, you know what I mean? It's, it is yes. sort of like a political surrealism in the sense of like something can, can appear as a news story, then it can go away. Um, really the, the last two years with the pandemic, like especially here in Canada, like that was like the, the, the sort of apex of it because now all of a sudden people were just expected to know very medicalized terms that were in public. It's like, well, we were all, we always, you know, lockdowns and, uh, flattening the curve and all that, that was always in public discourse. What are you talking about? Like, take your meds, go and touch grass. If you, you know, if you didn't go along with it, um, like there is a sort of surrealistic element to the propaganda in because of the sort of, I feel it's because of the, the sort of, uh, how should I put it? The conviction by which they say these terms, the conviction by which they believe that we were always like this, we always believe this. And if you don't believe it, then you're crazy, right? Because these things were percolating in academic discourse for a while. And then they were, they sort of diffused onto like chattering class discourse. And then all of a sudden, one day, every single news anchor, every single, you know, hack writer, they all, all of a sudden believe in the same thing now. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's very strange how that works. And, and, and in Britain, we we know that the the government are doing this because you, it's on their websites. They've, yeah. There's there's the perception management, applied psychology, and nudge units, and so so something changes slightly or something happens, and you've got to second guess it because you've got to think, well, okay, is this is this actually just a story or is there something more behind it? And and there's almost always more behind it. I mean, just this week, I, I swore that I wouldn't get involved with the Gary Lineker thing because I was going to ask you. I was afraid to ask you because you were saying I don't want to talk about this. this is, what, uh, uh, yeah, what is this uh, thing? What is this thing? The Gary Lineker is what's his name? Lineker. Yeah, oh. well, this is what sparked the entire uh, sort of mid-century Germans or left-wing kind of discourse where we began because he he is he. So Gary Lineker is a, a, a football. He used to be a footballer. And now he runs the flagship, presents the, the BBC One flagship show, Match of the Day, with a bunch of other like big name ex-footballers. And he's also like the most like howl at the moon, raging shit lib in the country. And he, he said the latest plan to stop the small boats would be I mean, see see how you get lost in the he said the latest plan. This is the thing with Britain. It's like layers and layers of like manipulation. So Gary Lineker said the, the, the government's new plan to stop the small boats was like something from like mid-century German ideology. Yeah. And, and um, th this, for some reason, like this led to some huge backlash where they wanted, they, basically the right tried to cancel him um, and it was all just, I knew it wouldn't work because he, in the end, is, is in agreement with the power structure. Yeah. And the whole the whole kind of framing, I just, I just thought it was all cringe. It's a typical like, conservator trying to like cancel a leftist by saying, oh, you're a hypocrite or like, you, oh, how dare you yeah. say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never because, works, it, never because it does happen. It does happen where people get canceled for like wrongly invoking the mid-century Germans. Yeah. Um, it happened to Andrew Bridgen on the certain medical procedures a while ago. He actually did get cancelled hard, and he was a Tory politician. Oh, yeah. 
but 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 then you can see it's because he is actually going against the grain of, of the power structure. But I kind of I've I've kind of invented a new sort of term um that I'm gonna like write a memo on and, and come back to this and explore, which is what I what I'm thinking of as libtard plot armor. Because because in in the the narrative that of of like Western liberal democracy and its value set, um, when, when you are a libtard like like Gary Lineker, you they 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 say these things and the right tries to cancel them. And they're never going to really get cancelled. Yeah. No, he he was suspended from his program for like two days, and he's going to go back and and all of this. And I knew that would happen, which is why I didn't get invested in it. I never, I didn't, I didn't get excited because I knew that would happen because I know that Gary Lineker has libtard plot armor, and and the libtard plot armor, like if if you look at like movie critic YouTube, and they so in in like say uh, the last season of Game of Thrones, like Arya Stark or Jon Snow has ridiculous amounts of plot armor, where. Yeah. What what happens is they get themselves into all of these dangerous situations, but um, you know they're never going to really die. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, which 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 is like the opposite of how Game of Thrones started. In the earlier days, it was exciting because like anybody could die, and they yeah, threw their own could die. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Everybody could die, so you were always thinking, "Oh God, you're always excited." When you get to the, the when it's when it's when drama is badly written, um, the characters have have plot armor because the the person sort of writing the storyline and, and writing the narrative, they can't allow for that person to die because they need them for the, the main narrative, the main yeah. plot. And it's the same with like a libtard, where they, they, they get themselves into like scrapes. And and you can't invest in it, you know. You can't invest in it's 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 the same as when somebody like Vouch is being cancelled on Twitter. Oh like yeah, he, or Natalie he's, being cancelled. He, he's got plot armor as well. You yeah. know, you know there's you know like they're not gonna get like the Ned Stark treatment, you know, or the 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 Andrew Bridgen treatment where he's he's just like unpersoned completely and yeah. uh, left to rot. Because they aren't they aren't allotted the plot armor, whereas the, the libtards are and it makes them it, it doesn't it means they're immune but it also means when a story unfolds involving them it's kind of boring and pointless to get wrapped up in at the same time because you know you know that's not going to happen you know the the you know the bullet is always going to go in their shoulder you know it's it's yeah. you know, it, it's that kind of thing and so or they just, had or they had a secret vest on yeah yeah they had a secret yeah. vest on they've got mithril on or something so it's it, yeah it's it's kind of it's it's just boring to 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 get involved with these things. So you didn't get all riled up by this uh by by this Gary situation because you knew like he's never gonna be like. But why are people obsessed with it? The the British British um like British conservative or right wing circles there seems to be obsessed with this guy. I do, um, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why anybody got involved with it because well part of it is like the 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 sort of the the. The starting point of it, where oh well, uh, these these uh, new new laws against the small boats 
with which will never amount to anything anyway. Like you can't say that is. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask you: Is Sunak base now? Is he going to be like, uh, like uh, Krishna and say Namaste <laughs> before he <laughs> before he redacts uh, a million small boats? <laughs> no, is Sunak going to? Read Sestri Devi and no, nah, never mind. I'm going too far with yeah. that. One. <laughs> Will there be Hyperborean edits of Sunak now? Yeah, well, this is the joke that the stupidest made. Like, congratulations, <laughs> you've you've like you finally got your pagan. You've... <laughs> <laughs> well done, pagan bros. Like, yeah, you've got it. one of your guys running the UK. <laughs> that's hilarious, though. Like, that's. That's to, like yeah, Sunek becomes an esoteric Austrian painter because he read Sestri Devi and uh, he's like he's awakening the spirit of Lord Krishna now. I, mean, so, I, I wouldn't mind it if if he did that if he if he became like this kind of you know you know how like the Dalai Lama comes out with things that are oh that are like turbo based yeah yeah <laughs> I, like I I'd actually prefer it if Rishi Sunak came out as this kind of. You know, like like the elephant with all the arms, and he's and he had like the <laughs> yeah. and 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 he's he's just going like super kind of some kind of hardcore Hindu kind of traditionalist mindset. I, I, he starts I, doing a, a Shiva dance in the middle of. That would be better, but he's just like a boring banker's bitch at the end of the day. I, I'd I'd like him to go like full sort of based Hindu, but there's no chance of it. I know it's not an original take, but the problem with Sunak is like, he seems like a nice guy. Like he, he, you know what I mean? Not to insult him, but he like, he doesn't look like, and it's not that he's, of course it's not because he's Indian, but the personality, like, and you could say the same about Liz Truce. Um, I, I had this joke I sent to AA at the time. I said, you know, if Tory boys, if they really wanted to meme their thing, they could say Liz Truce the plan. That could have been something, but not not to insult him. It's nothing to do with his race or whatever. But it seems that like Sunak doesn't look like a leader. He looks like a bureaucrat. He, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have yeah. the, the oomph of like say what you want about Boris Johnson, but like he's evil and all that. But like he looked like, I mean, he was he looked like a goofball? But like he looked like he could be a leader. You know what I mean? Like he was well, the leader. You know, he, he, he Boris Johnson was channeling that sort of bulldog nationalist energy you wanted to be churchill yes. yeah yeah so he 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 was tapping into that uh consciously and knowingly w you can see it even the way he walked if if you look especially especially during the pandemic like yeah <clears throat> if you look at the old uh video footage of churchill in his boiler suit like in, yeah. in the North African <laughs> desert and all of this yeah like yeah. like, like it, it, he had a certain kind of way of walking which was sort of kind of hunched over and like just to business. And, and Boris Johnson copied that way of like exactly that way of walking that, that Churchill was, was doing there. And, and this sort of bum, slightly bumbling and, and kind of goofy kind of mannerisms as well. Um, but, 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 but there was something, there was a, like a, there's a there was a steeliness to Churchill which yeah. Boris Johnson couldn't replicate, which he didn't. No, never. No. There was uh, like what, what obviously Winston Churchill is not particularly popular in our in our circles. Of course. But there there, there was there was like a, a, a seriousness to the man, um, uh, which which Boris cannot replicate. Yeah, he had no seriousness, but he did have that air of being like 
the head of the Tory party. Like, where Sunak, he does suffer from the fact that he looks like a very typical, like, bureaucrat or backbencher. Like, he doesn't... Yeah. yeah. But you know what's funny with the plot armor thing? Uh, you... Like, that term is so great because a good example would... Like, one of the best examples, and this is another thing in my neck of the woods, why I never got excited over it the way that, like, these like normie conservatives did was the recent uh, inquiry about the truckers. Uh, and I like, here's the thing. People were like, Oh, Trudeau looks weak. And he, he, we're going to get him now. You know, he's going to, don't worry. Uh, Pierre Palaver is going to topple him. I go, listen, nothing's going to happen by the inquiry because I mean, you don't have to like read the juvenile. You don't have to read Mosca. You don't have to read whoever to know that you're basically the power structure isn't going to hand Trudeau an L by saying like, Oh, well he invoked, you know, he, he really abused his power during the time I go, no, you, are you like kidding me? No, one's going to give Trudeau uh, a slap on the wrist and say, Oh, well he shouldn't have invoked the emergencies act. It's like, are you kidding me? Like it's because the judge himself was like a liberal party hack that was there since his father was there. Or should I say his stepfather? Uh, But you know, like it's Yeah. Because Trudeau has liberal plot armor. You know what I mean? He's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, um, and you saw it in a, in a, on a grander scale. Cause the other story that came out, which was my last Substack article. Yeah. Is on, on the, the WhatsApp leaks that came out and you can see uh, clearly that. And I think that's in the end, why the, 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 the globalists wanted rid of Boris Johnson. People say he'll come back. I'm not too sure. No, but, but the, the you can see in all of the messages that he is a doubter. He he's saying like there's messages like where he's he's talking with other politicians, and we, there's a hundred thousand messages leaked. We've only seen the ones with uh, like British politicians, not which is kind of what I, I got into on the on the article. But like the the. It, Boris Johnson's saying things like, so let me run these maths by you then, Chris, because Chris Whitty was the science officer or whatever. Mm. Um, and, he, and he was like, I'm looking at the numbers here and basically an old the, the only people who are vulnerable are very old people. And even then, like there's they've got a, it's about as dangerous as them falling down the stairs. Like it's it's the that levels it out. And I I just I just I'm struggling to understand. Why these such these extreme policies are being proposed? Um, when like for this risk, it, it just seems ridiculous. Um, and it carried on like that. There was there was a lot of them, but but yet it all happened, and it, it happened. Um, like it, it seemed in, in this is a weird thing because it's it happened like around this time. It happened on this day in um, three years ago in March. And it seems it seems like the end of January, early March. Is if you want to if you want to be let's just put the tinfoil hat on. <laughs> let's, let's just do it. But it seems like the annual psyop begins like sort of late February, early March. It's not the October year. surprise; it's the February surprise. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know that yeah. where it's like uh, Klaus Schwab spinning a wheel for what disaster we get this year. And, and it's it'll like, be climate uh, lockdowns next year. Yeah, climate lockdowns. Uh, what was it? The 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 cyber attacks. 
Bank in crash. Oh war. yeah, the, apparently what how did the sky fall today when it at the time of recording this uh, broadcast? Did the sky fall today with the the Silicon Valley banks or what's apparently the government shielding them now? I, I saw a tweet from uh, I was I went into that Twitter Spaces thing. I saw you were yeah, in it me too. I, yeah, I, saw I kind that. of had it on in the background. Um, and and there was like it was all I don't I mean the banks in America some on the, on the West Coast they'll still be open I think. Um, yeah, so yeah. It, it's See, nothing happening. There was a lot of stuff coming through about um, local banks are really struggling with this. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, I haven't even had time to like find out what the official narrative is, let alone like indulge in some conspiracy. <laughs> there, there were tweets that like, how dare you people cheer on the the downfall of these Silicon Valley companies and these banks? Don't you know these hardworking bureaucrats? And uh, tech people like it's it's so ridiculous. Like and and, and, and it's it's kind of like we we've ended we we've 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 now finally arrived at the grand arc uh, of, of like the left being cooked, yeah. where, where where it's it's like we now expect the left to come out and defend like central banks. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like you know that the the people argue about it, but this idea that. The reason we've got woke was because of the it began with Occupy Wall Street and and there's there's people yeah woke capital yeah yeah people people go backwards and forwards and argue about that but I mean it's still going to be the case that like what are they going to say are are they are like left wing like the, the sort of lefty influencers who've gone along with all of the rest can they now be psyoped into like defending bank bailouts now oh yeah they are they're, no i'll tell you why because there was this <laughs> there's this tweet where they said this what, what's it called svb is that the bank s it's silicon valley bank so it's svb yeah yeah apparently there was this tweet by some journalist saying that svb was a big funder in like trans and uh, lgbtcia and other like activist organizations and Planned Parenthood. And so they're going to be like, the banks actually benefit uh, left-wing causes. <laughs> and apparently they were also allegedly uh, giving money to activist groups that then whittled down to the anti-you-know-what. Uh, so yeah, they're going to say that banks are woke and therefore we have to defend them now. And, so and, it's, <laughs> yeah. and or originally the cope was that um, all well, all these corporations are going whoop because they're co-opting like left-wing causes because yeah, it says PR, it's cynical. Yeah, it's, it's cynical yeah. PR. Well, yeah. okay, so th what are you going to do now? Because if it's just cynical PR and now they're going to go under, um, that's good, then, isn't it? Yeah, but right. No, so now the real activism can shine to the top. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna defend the bankers. That's where the left are. <laughs> It's, oh my god! I can't. I can't. I can't believe it. I can't believe where we are. And 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 we're gonna be. I mean, Anne Coulter retweeted my my hot take, which was oh. uh, book, book, "Buckle up, boys! It's about to be misinformation and far right racism to 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 oppose bank bailouts." And of course, I, it was one of them things where I knew as soon as I tweeted it, people like people people are replying saying. Well, Morgoth, it always was racist to oppose the central bank, as you should do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, oh, why isn't there an edit function on there, yeah, you bastards? I knew it was coming. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Like someone, some, some frog would is going to reply to you with that, of course. Um, no, I feel you know my hot take is that really Gamergate brought us all here in terms of a uh, low capitalism because that really did expose um, the the you know the coordinated effort by various corporations. So actually, Sargon really exposed. Uh, you know, all things lead to Sargon really. Uh, Sargon exposed low capitalism more than anything with Gamergate. You know, it's funny because a lot of these anime racists, they, they, you know, the Zoomers, they, they have these memes about it where actually Gamergate was more important than 9-11 in terms of like disrupting the flow of the end of history. But you could like almost make a case for that where like Gamergate did like take on this, at least to the journalists, it took on like this cosmic significance of right wing hate that like really Gamergate was like year zero, that there was this direct line from Gamergate to Trump that really like st- you know, started it all. But um, yeah, so we can, friend, we can, we can thank our good friend Carl Benjamin for this. Yeah, I, I do I do think there was a direct line to, to Trump from that. Like that oh that yeah, definitely. Total, total yeah. Era. They're not um, totally wrong when they say that. It is true. Like Yeah, there, there, is, some, there is something to that. That's definitely... And, and along with a kind of relatively unregulated internet which they've exactly but also like a new way of like sort of you could call it like a right-wing avant-garde that really like in terms of engineering culture war discourse towards our favor like that really did lead the way i think like even the people at the time like whatever you want to say about those you know crop of like alt-like grifters maybe they didn't even realize it themselves but they were sort of like carving a path towards um it's something my my friend Adam Wallace said at the time. He wrote an article called "The Chanternative Right," which was about like sort of weaponizing an avant-garde um, against the establishment in a very like different way that only like the terminally online could like really understand. And like a lot of my writing comes back at this as well, right? So, I mean, I remember um, on me the original Morgos Review blog uh, way back in, and I, I've mentioned this before as well as I've been like sort of wandering the internet, but. Because I, I I used to I used to I don't I don't like bring it up much these days, but I actually used to write for the Daily Stormer. Yeah, and, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, the 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 I remember writing an I think I was in maybe twenty seventeen or earlier called the meta politics of the the Great Shutdown, because it seemed to me that if we were right in our analysis, then they would have to shut everything down. Yeah. Um. Because they just and I, this you know this is. I hadn't read Juvenile or Schmidt or anything. It just seemed like common sense. A lot of this stuff's just common sense, you know. Um, that that if if you're like sort of naturally cynical, um, yeah, I suppose the sort of the the, the the Gen X kind of '90s cynicism sticks with you, mm. and and it stands to reason that if you are correct um, in your analysis of things, then the power structure can't let it go on. It was it was it was it was wild. It was a wild time, and uh, yeah, it all it, it, indeed it all got shut down. Well, we we always look back on it with a fondness, and I, I wanted to ask you this originally about coming back to Twitter, but before I get to, disrupted, I I was referring to my friend on on Twitter. I'm going to at you actually on this thread. Uh, do you know um, Kunli Drukpa on Twitter? No, I I'm, I don't know many people on Twitter except for. Well, I'll at you like he does these edits. They're like phenomenal, and he's British, and it's like phenomenal the stuff he does. So I'm gonna at you in this one thread where he goes, um, 
you know, Britain during World War II, if the Allies fought for the values, the people today pretend they did London Skyline. And he does this like little video, but then he does like this Churchill edit where it says Churchill's message. We shall import them onto the beaches. We shall import them onto the land grounds. We shall import them into the fields and import them onto the streets. We shall import them into the hills. We shall never stop importing, <laughs> importing the little boats. Um, but no, we always look back on it with like a fondness. And now that like some of the old hats, like the old hats are coming back because of Musk. Not all of them, of course. Uh, but I feel like we always go back to this nostalgia for 2016 because it truly was kind of like our avant-garde moment, our Woodstock. But at the same time, I remember reading this 4chan thread. I was going through my old caps before we recorded um, from my old computer. And it said, there was this one person on 4chan that said, you know, there's a sign of brittleness where by just shitposting, the regime has to act in like these incredibly insane uh, shut it all down sort of ways. And I'm thinking like as much as we talk about how the regime itself has an incredible staying power, like it has an ability to sort of test resistances and absorb them. There still is at the one end as they've never been more powerful than ever in terms of like cultural discourse and managing the message. There still is a brittleness to it. There still is like the fact that like they have to respond in like incredibly ridiculous ways because someone made a joke on the internet. And it's like, I wonder like what the dichotomy will lead to in the future. Will, will sort of like, whatever you want to call it, the global regime will it lead to sort of, um, will they increase in their power or will it be the case that as time goes on, as they expose themselves by having to act in more ridiculous and unhinged ways Will it be true that maybe just by posting, just by the frogs creating like this avant-garde on the internet, that that will lead to like real world change? Or maybe we're just like overestimating our importance. Like, what do you think about this? Like from your perspective? Well, I, I, I'm, I've got a bit of a bleak perspective because I, mm, yeah. I see censorship coming of a magnitude which is much, much different from your losing a Twitter account or a YouTube yeah. channel. And the, 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 I mean, like the, the, the stuff, we've got the online harms bill coming. Uh, it's working its way through Parliament, and there'll be the equivalent of, of something like that, probably certainly in Canada. It probably already is in place in somewhere like Germany. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, because because what they're going to do is is find platforms. So if somebody puts something too spicy up on um, Odyssey, say, Bit Bitshoot was the test case for this. Yeah, um, and and, and I, I, it gets to the point where you, think, I, I don't know how how much longer we can go, but what one of the what one of the things that we one of the things that we have learned. Um, which I think has been interesting, which is why we, we could survive yet, is it, and not everybody, I think not everybody caught on to this, where, where, which was that how you frame things and how you put things across cleverly. So, for example, we use something like the mid-century Germans. Where I like the Austrian in, painter. Yeah. Austrian painter. Um, or, or the we'll talk about the urban youth. But uh, and in in like 2016, that era, the the content creator was under massive amounts of pressure 
to go there to to yeah. to say explicitly something which would uh, get you destroyed. I mean, the, the still happens to this day, by the way. There's like Telegram ghettos that still like edge yeah. post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I remember distributors did a video uh, on this called "How the Super Chat Killed Right," and it was because when people started live streaming more, they were getting into the, the, the they were being given super chats. GF, for, for example, to 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 like say he has five dollars, like say this, and oh, then. Yeah. You, you so then you had to say it, and and what you were doing was was kind of uh, it, it was sort of toxifying yourself, um, and then giving people justification to get censored, and and there's certain parts of the the e right as you say like who still don't seem to have cottoned on to that, and it's yeah. still you've got to be edgy, you've got to constantly name them. You've you have got to name to... them, yeah, yeah. And and and, and the, one of the reasons why I think that's kind of done with now is because everybody knows. Like, I'll, I'll listen to um, I'll listen to Critical Drinker and Nerd Erotic and uh, Mola and these people sometimes, you know, catch up on what Nerd YouTube are talking about. Yeah. And they, even they will be naming them in a kind of ironic and jokey way and everybody laughs because everybody knows what they mean and the, you know the idea the idea back in 2016 was to red pill as many normies uh, as we can now in fact that that really boiled down to people who are on the internet a lot yes so and in in that way we did it like that is kind yeah, of yeah. The alt right may have died, but the the sort of ideas have percolated to like even the semi mainstream. Like, who would have thought that Fox News people would be talking about demographics and how capitalism yeah. is actually deracinating us? Yeah, like it's. It, I remember hearing like Laura Ingram talk about how capitalism destroys family values. I'm like, wow, that would have never happened ten years ago. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. If you if you see it like the alt right as being this kind of side run, uh, <laughs> yeah, to, you, you know, you know, like they that, uh, themselves so we could all walk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that oh, that uh, that Urukai on Battle of Helm's Deep where he's running with the bomb to the <laughs> and there's <Yeah>. people <laughs> and he's getting shot full of arrows, but he gets to the target and blows the wall apart. Um, oh, so that's man. kind of like what happened to the to the whole right. But the wall, <laughs> the wall came down regardless. Yeah. And so yeah. so now because of that, you know, take a bow. There are people that still believe that like Lauren Southern sunk a migrant boat. Yeah. People that like believe stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a take a bow, gentlemen. Like in many ways, um, for the what the people that we could reach with the message, it was kind of achieved. Um, what yep. the, the wall did break because now you can, um, be we use these terms, we don't have to be as explicit as what we once did because we don't have to be because everybody picks up on it and everybody knows, yeah. So everybody knows what that's actually worse for the regime because it's a sort of double think, it's like a double speak which is set in. Where you know you used to have like the crazy, it was like the shock, like therapy. cartoonish, like American History X, the Believer type, like <laughs> yes. white nationalism 1.0, as people say in our spaces. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and it was it was yeah, the, 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 and kind of taking ownership of that, 
you know, that the the curb stomp scene, like turning that into a meme, which is like you take hyperborean edits, yeah, (laughs) you own it, and it's like, yeah, like (laughs) oh man, and and so that 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 kind of was done, um, but but it it didn't it didn't it led to a, a kind of a paranoia, but it also led to where everybody everybody can pick up on what you're saying. Um, and that, that was the work that was achieved with the alt-right, I think. Yeah. For that, we can thank them. But then other things, maybe not so much. I mean, it's, you know. Thank you for listening to the Content Minded Podcast, where every Wednesday, there are interesting guests, amazing ideas, solo streams, and discussions on a diverse array of topics from art, philosophy, history, and more. The free version will be available both here on YouTube and as a downloadable link on Anchor and Spotify, as well as on Substack. Each week, the full, uncensored and spicier version will now be available on both Patreon and Substack, where you will have access to the full archive of both content-minded and of giant reviews where I break down interesting texts every week, including other exciting paywalled articles and good content. Thank you all. Please like, share, and subscribe. God bless. Goodbye. Help keep the content renaissance alive. Too sweet.